Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I've got Venerable Tom Dorian with it's not, me. It's not cafe. Cafe. <laughs> no, it's, 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 you know it's what? It's just Catholic Cafe. The Catholic Cafe. Thank you. Say it like that, matter-of-factly. Yes. And Ziggy Rodriguez is here. That's me. And uh, it's not, that's my. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, so, uh, here we go. Uh, we, are, we are now officially um, uh, having on our Lenten journey. And, yes, we uh, are. Uh, we've been through the first Sunday of of Lent, and uh, you sound so happy about it. You know what? I actually am. <laughs> I have the moving my along song from the Muppets in my head, <laughs> which is weird for the Lenten journey. Well, it's actually weird for any journey, to be honest with you, to have yeah. that song in your head. But uh, I have the Muppets. In actually, your head. I really love weird. that. I love that song. I, I love the too. Muppets. The, I mean, the old school Muppets. Those two grumpy oh, yeah. old troll guys. I love those guys. <laughs> you know, we need to have those here. Heckling us the whole time. Yeah, heckling our, our approach to Lynn. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, those aren't ashes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, as we start our Lenten experience, you know, it, we were talking about, like, well, what, what do we want to do? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, we'll just say there's a veritable plethora of material out there uh, from Catholic sources, good Catholic sources about Lent. If you Google Catholic Lent, you're going to find a million things that say the same stuff. It's like, well, what do you do that's different? You know, and we don't really have an answer for different. But I started thinking, like, I'm kind of a simple guy, and at the end of the day, let's just let's just do a show and talk about temptation, because at the end of the day, that's really it's this is where Lent Back starts. Basics. Back to the basics, and um, and and the, the the first Sunday of Lent is always about the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Uh, and and just understanding what's what's happening there um, is I think it's it's profound and I think it can have a a positive a profound and positive effect on our Lenten experience which ultimately is preparing us for all of our lives right Lent is a season that we that we go through every year just like you have a birthday every year you know it's not enough to have just one birthday you only have one day of your birth and yet we want to remind ourselves every year. We have these anniversaries, and there's a reason because things need to come back to the fore, right? Well, in the same way, the church, Holy Mother Church, gives us this opportunity during Lent to revisit some of these concepts and some things we just take for granted, like what are you giving up for Lent? Did you get your ashes? All these things that that we do, and we end up sometimes falling the trap of just doing Mm -hmm. and not really understanding the reason for the doing and allow that reason then to uh, be God forming us into uh, who we're called to be. Uh, so we look at that, uh, and there's various versions of the um, of the reading from um, the gospel of Jesus in the desert. You know, there's a shorter one uh, from Mark, uh, and I like the one from Matthew because it, it gives us some some detail that I like. Uh, and it's the fourth chapter of Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, 
If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you, if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan, it is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So it's like, that's really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good story, and we read this every year. And, and this, the concept of temptation, there's a couple things I want to note right off the bat. One is, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. That's when the devil came. Right when he was theoretically at his weak, weakest, mm-hmm. and yet we're—it's counterintuitive. We think that like when we fast, we're weaker, and in fact, when we fast, we're stronger. Like when we empty ourselves of creature comforts, mm-hmm. like when we empty ourselves of things that we think that we need, then we have more room for God to give us what we need, what we truly need. Right. So there's there's that kind of neat understanding of that. Another thing is he was in there for forty days and forty nights, and I love this is one of the most underststated lines in scripture he was hungry I you know? you're, I you're gonna say that, <laughs> I love way. that I every know. time it's like that that is the obvious yet he, he was hungry obvious. then it's another thing that I don't think people always realize and and this is the one I think we want to kind of touch on a little bit to kind of launch us into this discussion about temptation um, it specifically says right there then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil to be tempted by Satan Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. So I think there's something interesting in this that the Catholic understanding of asceticism, uh, and and asceticism is a big fancy word, right? But like we're talking about uh, extraordinary acts. When I'm tired, I ascet. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. Like so, so fasting <laughs> and abstinence. Down. Well, fasting and abstinence is, is, an afor- is a form of asceticism, like you know, self denial, self denial, right? right. And, and, and there's all these religious traditions where you've got people, and, and I'm not saying trying to say this in like a, a condescending way or anything like that. There's these religious traditions where people are, are doing these extraordinary ascetical acts, uh, oftentimes out in the desert, right? right. You know, um, but the difference when they're outside the context of the Christian framework and the Christian framework. There's a reliance upon self-will. You know, there's a reliance upon their own will. You know, that's one of the Christian critiques of, like, Buddhism, for example. And they're one of the religions that has, you know, um, uh, a reliance – that it has a lot of asceticism, you know, within right. Buddhism as well. Is there's this reliance upon the will and upon what my willpower can do, right? As opposed to the fact that with, with Christianity, when we are st- stepping into the desert – you know, we're stepping into sort of the the reality of our own desires yeah. that are fluttering around us, right? And then our desire instead to put God first, and the devil is going to swoop in, and the devil is going to try to, you know, insinuate himself in that. And it's not just about my own self-will. It does require, actually, this goes back to what you were saying in terms of the, it's the Holy Spirit that led him into the desert. It requires the Holy Spirit. It requires grace because it isn't just about like the Holy Spirit just giving you strength and just sort of like helping you have stronger soul muscles, right? I mean, that is a thing that happens as well if we want to call virtue right. soul muscles, right? But but it's also the Holy Spirit grace is operating to help us recognize the lies of the devil, 
you know, that there's actually a dialogue that's happening where the devil is, is trying to throw us off, right? And, and God is trying to keep us firm. Right and, and and keep us strong and so it's a completely and different, focused and focused and focused on him right with a capital H because that's where the strength comes from it comes from him yes right strength holiness goodness truth beauty all these things come from God yes. and when we're focused on him we're th- those those things sort of are pervasive in our life yes. and when we're not focused on him on our when we're focused on our, either on our own strength or uh, the 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 things that we that make us feel good, right? These kind of things that are in the world that aren't in and of themselves bad. Yeah, but they I call them creature comforts. Well, it's kind of similar. There's a priest here in our diocese, or now he's retired. You've mentioned him a couple of this this uh, sermon a couple of times in in the podcast. The fact that he said that uh, uh, people don't don't seem to need God anymore because they've got video games, they've yeah. got TV shows, they've they've got, all they got a roof over their head, they've got food, they've got a cell phone, they've got all the stuff they need. Yes. Toilet paper's in the store, everything's good. And so we're sort of stuck in that world these days, and it's in this highly materialistic, consumeristic world, so when we step into the desert and we're saying, I'm going to empty myself of some of this stuff, and I'm going to focus especially on the stuff that is really, really th- things that I don't think I can live without. Like, I can't imagine... Waking up and not having coffee in the morning. Well, you know what? You might need to specifically choose that because it's hard, right? Yeah, and- no, hundred. I hundred percent agree. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I should. I mean, because it's it's counter. Um, like our our, you know, our bodies are they f- they feel things right, yeah. and there are things that that make you feel good. Right. Or make you feel comfortable, or make you feel safe, or make you feel secure, or whatever. And the thing is, we think that that must be good. Then, mm-hmm. when you start to realize um, that some things like can be a, a, a temptation from the devil, right? And that's the stuff we kind of want to talk about. Like, yes. can the devil use like these basic goods and things to to tempt you? Oh, I think he absolutely does. In fact, I think that's so. A big part of the devil's playbook is he's the accuser, right? And he makes a case. And he makes a case against you and attacks you and shames you. He does that. And he attacks others and tries to get you to think badly of others. But he really loves to make uh, cases against God, right? And and two areas in which I think the devil tries to make a case against God. One, things where uh, you might have an attachment to some kind of a pleasure that the church has said, no, you're not supposed to be doing that, right? And the devil uh, will come in and say, well, if God really lo- really loved you, he'd let you have that, right? Uh, on the same In the same way, when we find ourselves saying, oh, I really, really wish I had, like maybe there's legitimate needs, like you haven't had a job for a couple of months, right. and you've been praying for a job, or something that is, is, is a total legitimate need, but for whatever reason, in God's permissive will, He's permitted that you've been denied this thing. The devil will swoop in and say, "If God really loved you, you'd have that job." That's right. Why would a Why would a good God, yes, uh, keep you from having a job to support your family? And yes, things like that. Yeah, it's that becomes um, that that becomes problematic. And it, why, but it's so hard sometimes to discern. Like, I mean, you know, I think that if I was going to get a phone call from somebody saying, you know. Uh, I need money. Deposit money into my this this out of your checking account into mine. Yeah, and I didn't know who they were. I mean, you'd be suspect, right? Right. But like when you start to hear the devil using things like, uh, you know, this. I mean, this tastes good. Yeah. Why? Why? Why would God not want you to have the cake? Because it's good. Take 
it is cake evil? And right. it's like, and you go like, well, no. You start answering. First of all, don't talk to the devil. Ever. <laughs> I've, I, right. I've heard several priests say, look, one of the biggest problems people don't understand is you don't need to stand there and say, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't need to say to him what Jesus said. When Jesus at the end looks yeah. at Satan and says, get away, Satan, right? Most priests who are involved in spiritual warfare will tell you, don't address the devil directly. Right. That's what the angels do. Right. St. Michael, get this guy away from me. He's driving mm-hmm. me nuts. He's scaring me. He's whatever. I know that you can thrust him into hell. Right. Get him out of my sight. It goes back to the, the another fancy word, deprecatory prayer versus imprecatory prayer, right? Imprecatory prayer is, I cast you out, and that's what priests say in an exorcism, right? Whereas deprecatory uh, uh, deliverance prayers is, may God cast out any Evil. That's uh, sounds like a prayer that life. would take place like around a cactus. <laughs> I just I, saw, I don't know why. Oh, I don't know why. Yes. That's <laughs> funny. But no. But but going back to what we were saying earlier is is that is the devil wants to confuse us about the good about what's good right and and um, you know because ultimately things that are evil they begin you know God created the universe. And declared it good. Right. There's goodness everywhere. At the end of every day of creation, he says, and he looked out and saw that it was good. Right. And, and at the end sixth day, it was very good. And so what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to take that which is good and pull it out of the context of the good. Like he wants to take he wants to take the goods of the garden uh, the goods of the garden out of the garden. He wants to separate it from their meaning and from their purpose, what their what their purpose was in the first place, and say. Don't you want this thing just for the pleasure? See, and that's that's an important point. So there there are different kinds of goods, like on a we'll say a, a scale of goods. Yeah, right. There are these goods that uh, that are down towards the bottom. They're good in and of themselves. They're fine, like food. Yeah, food is good. But when food becomes the goal, and when you put food at the level of like a greater good, like it's this, the ultimate goal is that you have a full belly. Yeah. Well, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that you're in heaven with God, right? That you are satiated by God. That food would actually be something that's almost like a uh, a prefigurement or or something that speaks of God. Yeah. Right. So food is good, and and it leads you to God. Right, the giver of all good things. So all these things that 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 I like, like food. There, there's nothing wrong with food, but when it becomes the greater good, like it becomes the goal that you're trying to attain. Right. Well, then it's a problem because it's, the yeah. goal is not God. Well, a great example, I think, the marital embrace. Right. The uh, the, the physical affection uh, that is reserved for husband and wife. That's uh, right. The you know the devil obviously is attacking. Our Lady of Fatima told us that the devil will be attacking through sins of the flesh. And he obviously has been. You know, yeah. she was correct. Uh, and and so, uh, if you look at the what the nuptial embrace is supposed to be, and the theology of the body gives some amazing wisdom related to that. But what the nuptial embrace is supposed to be is, you know, two uh, a husband and a wife who have uh, committed themselves permanently. You know what I mean? Covenantally, uh, covenantally yeah. uh, before the Lord, and in a union that's been blessed by the Lord, and it's a covenant of mutual self-gift, right? Um, you know, through sickness and health, it's not just about this one moment. It's there; these are two people who are going to share their whole lives with one another, and they're they're interested in sharing uh, the fruits of their bodies with one another and creating life together, right? I mean, these are these are the goods of the nuptial embrace, right? Whereas uh, the enemy wants to say, well, why, why don't you don't you just want the pleasure? Aren't you entitled to just the pleasure? Right. There's, that's confusing the pleasure with the goal right. of of 
this covenantal relationship that yields life, right? right? And then when you confuse those things, that's like there was a priest that one time said to me uh, about people that have uh, premarital yes. right, relations. That that's like having uh, the Christmas gifts without the nativity, right? Right. It's like it's like imagine Christmas every single day, and you think, well, that would be awesome, but it's like actually, it's not. You you essentially become enslaved in a way to that thing, to yeah. that good, and then you lose sight of the greater good. You lose sight of God. Well, Pope Paul VI, he predicted in Humana Vitae that one of the things that would happen if we got into a contraceptive culture and all of that stuff is that people would desire, people would, 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 would believe that they can exercise dominion over their own bodies. You know, our bodies don't belong to us. They're ransomed at a price. That's a lie, too, to say, you know, I, I can do whatever I want with my body because it's mine. I can turn my body into a pleasure machine. I can turn this other person's body into a pleasure sheen, a machine as long as they agree to it. You know what I mean? Like that's, That is, again, that is a warping of the good. And that's what the enemy is trying to do yeah. in, in order to distract us from the greatest good that could ever possibly exist, which is God. And that's the thing about temptation. Um, again, there, there are, you know, everyone talks about, first of all, we have to be clear of something. Um, temptation in and of itself is not a sin it's not sinful yeah. to be tempted that's not a sin it's when we you know all sin that's right all sin has to have uh human our human will has to cooperate with it right. has to give itself over and say uh yeah i'll do that hey what about the near occasion of sin so near occasion of sin, i uh you know it's an interesting question because it's like well is that sinful to be in the near occasion of sin but again i think no, but uh, that's in our act of contrition it is right. So it's there for a reason. Help us to avoid the near occasion right. of sin, and the wisdom there. I think, from my perspective, I look at the near occasion of sin and go, like, if you don't know what the near occasion of sin is, you need to, because that's the that's the playing field on which you meet the devil. That's where he is. He's he's always going like, well, this isn't so bad. This isn't mm-hmm. so bad. So that those things that lead us closer to sin, mm-hmm. the things that uh, where we get right up on the edge, that's where the that's where the devil lives. Because he knows that's where our most vulnerable thing is. So we need to be aware of our near case. It's different for everybody, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, you know, if, if, you, if, you like, if you like food too much or whatever. I'm talking about food a lot. Maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. Uh, but if you like Stay food out of the too Catholic much. Cafe. Probably don't come to the no. You don't go to get a job in a bakery. Right. You know, probably not your best. Uh, you know, as, I, as a kid, I could not put bags of potato chips down. And I always thought, like, man, you know what would be a good job? Working at a potato chip factory. <laughs> I, I just I thought that would be the greatest job ever. But as I get older, I realize that would be a near occasion of sin. <laughs> well, also, what you just asked relates to what we were talking about earlier in terms of you know, you've got these other traditions of people going out in the deserts. Uh, relying upon their own will and their own self, you know, uh, to live the ascetical life, right? Uh, and, and as opposed to God's grace and God lifting you up and God making virtue possible. Well, when we knowingly are stepping into a near occasion of sin, what we're actually doing is we are we are kind of following the, the footsteps of saying, I'm going to rely upon my own strength. Oh, yeah. I, I won't be bothered by this. Yeah. I can overcome this. I can go into this space and I'll be fine. And as opposed to saying... I'm relying upon God, and if I'm relying upon God and I'm relying upon his grace, then I also have to rely upon the whispers of the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, That's far. you've gone far enough. You need to take a step back. <laughs> yeah, 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 come on back, because uh, I, I, I know you better than you know you. Yes. You don't need to be in this, in this area. Yeah, right, so, cause, and we make, we make 
poor decisions a lot. Yeah. Right? And we struggle. We all do. We struggle with that. But the reality is the more we're aware of our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, our soft spots, where where it is the devil can attack, the more we know those things, the better we are. That's um, I'm, I thought I was going to read this, and I thought, like, I'm not going to read this. But there's a uh, – you can find – I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote about everything. Uh, and way above my pay grade, uh, but he he actually outlines five reasons why God allows temptation. Now, this is from his perspective, theologically. But if you listen to it, it's like there are some practically good things for us in temptation. Mm-hmm. Like the, the 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 result at the end of the day is good. The, these are the five reasons, according to Saint Thomas Aquinas, that God allows us to be tempted. To test the virtue of individuals and teach us something about ourselves, to remind us of our weakness, to show demons their powerlessness against God's mercy, to harden and strengthen us, to show the greatness of God's grace. And so you, you can look at those things. We don't necessarily need to go into each one of those individually, but you can look at those things and go, well, so temptation's a good thing then, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to say it like that because that sounds weird. Like, I, I love getting tempted. Right. Um, but honestly, there are, there are positives that can come out of uh, uh, great challenges in life. Tom, you're, you, know, you, were, you were famous on the gridiron mm-hmm. back, in, back in the day. Before in my your, own mind. Back in before, your, before your knees you know, gave out. Oh, yeah. But, but you, uh, uh, you, you, you know that you, you played harder against a team that was better. Yeah. And you didn't play as hard, may, maybe to the point where you could actually fail as a team, mm-hmm. right, when you let your guard down. Yeah. And, and so it's like these temptations, these pressures against our, uh, our moral state, these things that push us, actually can Makes help us. raise the bar. Right? Um, and then there's other side effects that, that he mentions, like it shows the demons, the devil, right, how powerless they are in the face of God in the face of God's mercy specifically, right? That, that like God's mercy overcomes everything. Again, it's counterintuitive. You think that the, you think that God's strength is going to be uh, like the strength of an army, right? And, and instead it's the strength of a son, his son dying on a cross, right? Right. A vulnerability of openness of, of willingness to give of self to the last full measure. And that's, that's something that confounds the devil. Right, and and so it's like you start thinking about this, and you go like, okay, this is why temptation is such an important part of Lent. But really, for all of our life, we need to understand that temptation is not going to go away. That this is how the devil operates. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, the in the same way that God is not subject to temptation, you, you know, the devil can't tempt God, right? The devil also cannot tempt. He tried, <laughs> right, right, but he, <laughs> but he, but he also can't tempt the saints in heaven. Right. right. I mean, they're also not subject uh, to temptation in that. And, and we are we are called to join the saints in heaven and to be in that to also be set free of it. But in order to get there, it requires purification. You know, our, we can that can either happen in purgatory after we die or our purgatory can be here. And so in a way, temptation is an opportunity for us to be purged of the things that interfere with our ability to love God with the purest possible love. And one thing to, to throw out this, when we go to confession and we, we confess our sins, and especially if it's a, 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 a confession where we're walking in and we're really feeling bad, oh, man, I really messed up, and you go and you say that confession, you're expecting 
uh, unconditional love. You're expecting that the priest isn't going to say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give absolution. You're, you're really messed up, boy. You know, like, no. I mean, if you give a good confession, you're, you're reasonably expecting unconditional love of God in his mercy. Then uh, now let's ask ourselves, how conditional is our love? How often is, does our, do we allow things and attachments within our heart and within us throw off our love of God? And so when the devil tempts us and, and, and he's basically bringing to light those things within us that are conditions, that are things that are holding us back from that unconditional love of God. And when God permits bad things to happen and we say, you know what, I'm going to love you anyway because you are the greatest good. And I know that you wouldn't have permitted this yeah. with, if it wasn't for a greater good that you had in mind, that you are the greatest good. And that every cross is followed by a resurrection. And this is not my home. This earth is just a, a pilgrimage place. And my home is with you in the fullness of your glory and sharing in that as a member of your body of Christ. That that is how is ultimately, I believe, why God is is permitting these things because it is a means of purification. You mentioned, uh, you know, a reasonable expectation. To have a reasonable expectation that God loves us and God's mercy is there is going to draw us to confession, right? Yeah. If we have an unreasonable expectation, the reality is that can that can be very uh, tempting in a bad way. It can lead us down a wrong path because what ends up happening is we then have the sin of presumption. Yeah, I, I don't need to go to confession because God loves me. I already know that, mm. so He knows that I'm going to uh, that that you know He knows I did wrong, and I'm like I'm admitting I did wrong, yeah. but I'm not going to confession. I don't need to. Right. This is where the devil operates, and we need right. to be aware that the devil's gonna. Use every. I mean, he's probably he probably has a law degree. Let's just be honest. Yeah, you know, you have a legal background. You know, he knows how to sort of maneuver and manipulate the words and, and the feelings and the things and, and confuse us. Yeah, uh, and that's why temptation. We need to understand at the end of the day that we are loved by God and it is His desire, right? That we understand that, that we know that, and that we come to Him. Right, and that we live with him for all eternity in heaven. That's the goal. That's what he wants, and that's what he wants us to know. And don't allow the devil any room at all. Like again, don't talk to the devil, but don't allow the, the devil any room at all uh, to to fool you. To to, to uh, you know, he can test you, and he's going to test you. But we have to. This is why Lent is so important. That when we empty ourselves of all of the world and we fill ourselves with God. Good things are going to happen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.